Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Sex Actually podcast. It's your boy Dave Neal. We have a good one for you today. This is episode number 314. Tasha Courtney and myself interview Robert Candell. It's a fun chat. He's a great guy. He's a self-help guru. He, spe- he speaks to men, the issues that men are facing in today's world. I feel a collective eye roll from the ladies listening. I understand. Uh, what about us? I'm telling you, in today's world, in today's climate, with all the all the uh, you know the, the Me Too movement and and uh, the Times Up movement. I think it's important while we uh, while we popped the hood on the old car to tinker around and see what men can do to get themselves into a better state of mind, um, a more proactive way to sort of address the issues that have happened. We're listening. Trust me, we're listening. But. Likewise, there's room for improvement. Robert Candell just wrote a book called Unhidden, a book for men and those confused by them. Uh, He wrote, it's now tougher than ever to be a man. Traditionally, men have held the privileged position. However, two generations of societal change has dramatically changed the playing field at the expense of the man. The effect is that men are lost, causing an increase in aggression, confusion, and apathy. Worse, they have withdrawn from society because it's not deemed okay for men to express their feelings and doubt. Men want to love and provide, but feel disconnected from their true purpose. Let's change the trajectory. It's time to live unhidden. Uh, I think you're going to love this chat I had with Robert. Keep an open mind. Uh, Tasha and I discussed some of our problems in our relationship, and I think you'll know uh, we, had, we, had, we had a moment. In every episode, there's a moment we have where we go, oh, shit, that's what this was all about, and we had that moment. I'm the first one to talk about my problems. You guys know that. Uh, in this case, like, look, I want, I want a happy relationship. I want communication to be the best it can be. So I think some, uh, some advice I got from Robert, some tough love, uh, you know, and telling me what I can do. What, what, cause it's, you know, we see the problems in, in our spouse or our significant other. We always see the way that they might be reacting to us, but what can we do, you know, personally to create the best scenario for success? Like that's the control that we have over ourselves. And 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 that and, and 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 I think you're gonna you're gonna find you, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about when we get to it. Where um, I'm working on myself, folks. Okay, I'm out there. I'm working on it. Uh, you're gonna love this chat. Go to robertcandell.com. It's K-A-N-D-E-L-L. Robertcandell.com to buy his book Unhidden. It's out now. And um, again, thank you guys so much for all the love you've shared with us. Oh, I think I wanted to read. Um, some comments that we got before we get out of here. Uh, we had two new reviews that people left. And gosh, do I love a good review? This is what we do it for, folks. Uh, two new reviews. First one from AK Flossie wrote, I needed this in my life. I just recently became single, and as a serial dater, I have never needed this podcast more in my life. I can relate to everything so well. I also have a bit of an OCD thing, and I have to listen to podcasts from the very beginning, so I'm currently up to September of 2016, and I cannot stop listening. I have flown through these podcasts in the past couple weeks. Thank you for making me feel less crazy. You guys are great. First of all, congratulations uh, to you for starting from the beginning. I, I I don't blame you. It's a good. It's a good place to start. Uh, to quickly paraphrase, because I know we have a lot of new listeners out there. This uh, this uh, podcast started about four four years ago uh, when I was a single guy, and um, you know Tasha was a friend of mine. And since then, we've uh, we've act- actually this. So this was over five years ago because we're about to celebrate our five year anniversary. So we've gone from you know sort of friends, but I was interested in her to a more enriching. Uh, relationship and uh if you really do want to start from the beginning hey why not go for it 
Uh, second review was called A Must Listen from Ma uh, Malkate, somewhere in the U.S. It said, this is the best podcast. Perfect for long drives, walking the dog, cleaning, doing work, or just wanting a laugh. Dave and Tasha are so down to earth and open about personal challenges as well as their relationship. The podcast has been a good mix of solo episodes by Dave, Dave and Tasha, and some awesome guests. These are generally entertaining people that I listen to constantly. This is the only podcast that I can never get enough of. The podcast is more than the title, but if you're here for the title, don't worry. They talk about the S and SAP often. That's sex, baby. Yeah, we'll talk about sex. We'll talk about a little bit of everything. Whatever's uh, whatever that chafing the old asshole we'll talk about, and that might be sex. Uh, anyway, folks, you're going to love this episode. Write in sexactuallypodcast at gmail.com. Let me know what you think. And, of course, we always welcome these positive reviews. Go to iTunes. Write us a review, share with your friends. Enjoy. S -A -P, baby. Yeah. Hey, how's your cans? Not to interrupt. I can't. Uh, yeah. They're pretty good. Okay, then time. we'll just get started. All right, let's get started. Hey, everybody, then. welcome to the Sex Actually podcast. Your host, Dave Neal with Tasha Courtney and hello, hello. Robert Candell. How Hi. are you, man? It's good Robert. to be here. Thank you. Now, Thank you so much for I heard here. about you from doing a stand up show, and I was doing some jokes about. <laughs> Uh, my relationships and this and that and I was talking to an audience member afterwards and she recommended you and I looked you right up and then I got in contact with your people nice so that was my roundabout kind of way that you're here right now but thanks for coming that's the first time I've been pitched at a comedy show I, I know <laughs> might be the first time that's good though yeah. that means you got you know you're, you got it talking. going on people are going around, all yes. over and it was like a small living room show too it was like huh. this very intimate show and, and I don't I don't even know who the audience member was it wasn't a friend of mine it was like a random person and they were they, they said they took your seminar I believe and or you had like a weekend seminar I was teaching a communication course in September that must have been it. That must have been it. Yeah. So, so your your uh, sort of expertise would be communicating in relationships. Yes. But also, uh, you know, like I, I saw your one sheet more like how in the men's space more so. I get around. When okay. It comes down to it. So, I ran an organization called One Taste for about ten years, and we taught about relationships, intimacy, communication, and sexuality. And during that time, I was the COO. I ran the men's program. I was a teacher. I was a coach. So there's a vast spectrum of things we can chat about. Cool. I have a lot of questions. Here's the here's the first thing, and okay. we have about eighty percent of our guests are women. We I, we really most of the guys that are on the podcast are just like comics who don't know you know how to get out of their own Comedians, way. Comedians they have lots of funny stories funny, because of all the mistakes stories. that they're making. Nice. But also we we have a, a tendency to be worried about ourselves and relationships are kind of on the back burner. Okay. So so we ha we don't really get too many expert male opinions and we don't have much of a guidance out there. Okay, I'm here to help. Yeah, here to serve. <laughs> so how did you how did you first of all get in like get involved? Like how did you get your calling to do this? Uh, I made a total fool of myself. In just really? over time? Or uh, any specific no, in a specific <laughs> moment. And what was that? Uh, it was March 20th, 1999. Wow. I was uh, going on my 29th birthday, San Francisco, California. I was taking a first workshop on sexuality with my first wife, Carol. In that moment, they said, you know, introduce yourself. And I said, okay, my name is Robert, and this is my wife, Carol, and her name is Wolfie. don't really like her name, so I call her by her nickname. And just went on for three or four minutes and then thought that they would give me a standing ovation. The teacher would be like, come sit with me. But instead, <laughs> uh, the teacher, Erwan Devon, who's still teaching in San Francisco, said, hey, do you know your wife's crying? <gasps> and she was sitting right next to me, even closer than you're sitting to me right now. 
and I had no awareness. All my attention was on myself, and she was crying. And what I saw in that moment, like the the movie montage, you know, flash before fast, your eyes. Like, click, 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 click. <laughs> and I realized that I had no awareness around my chauvinism, my misogynistic nature, my lack of awareness. I was pretty much numb and dumb. So I had two options. Option number one was to stand up, take her, throw her on my shoulder, and go back to the cave. Number two was to stay in burn in the burn and learn, and that's what I've been doing really for over twenty years now. Yeah, because learning and growing and changing behaviors, recognizing harmful behaviors, mm-hmm. is very uncomfortable. Yes. that's all part of the process. It has to be uncomfortable, otherwise, no one would ever change. I love that you have the date too, the March twentieth, nineteen ninety nine. Yeah, well, it's, you know, you write books and you tell these stories over and over again. I've been telling the same damn story for you know 15, sixteen years or seventeen. Do years. Do you celebrate the day? Or is it just you know, so no one's ever asked me that. No, no, no. But I, I <laughs> do still remember the sensation of it. I mean, it was close to 20 years ago, and I can still remember how uncomfortable it felt. Because then Erwan did the most awful thing possible. He stared at me. He's got these really intense eyes. And he stared at me and says, okay, who's next? And then moved on. And I just sat there in the uncomfortable oh, Carol you don't even get attention. any closure. No, I don't get like, you know, coaching around it. He just let me burn in it, which was definitely the best thing for me and the worst thing sure so that was my motivation but effective now in the 20 in the almost 20 years since then yes what like how have we how far do you believe we've come as a gender as guys that are tr- like searching for betterment for i mean is the conversation is it has it improved or is it guys hitting the same problems where i think men are actually heading in the wrong direction really yes and why, why is that yeah, <laughs> yeah. um so the reason is that women have been rising in power and status. Uh, you just look at the midterms, you know, what, 100 women in Congress, the yeah. most amount of women in the Senate and the House. Ever. Uh, ever. You know, the amount of CEOs in the, in the Fortune 500, you know, it's still in like less than 40 at this point, but still rising. And what's happening is the dynamic between men and women is changing significantly. It used to be that women stayed home, right. men made the money, right. we were meek and timid, yep. we just did what we were told, right. and now we're bosses. Right. Now we make our own money, we don't have to submit to anybody. Don't look at me. <laughs> no, but it's interesting because it, it, it has changed the dynamic, and though some people, you know, like... I think there's there's lots of aspects to it, but it changes the power dynamic mm-hmm. at home. It also changes like um, the balance of responsibilities. Mm-hmm. I, f- I know a lot of women feel like they work all day, they come home, and then they have to manage the kids and mm-hmm. manage the meals and manage the household. Mm-hmm. And they're like, where's my equal partner? Mm-hmm. My question is this. Even bringing up that men sort of – I'm not saying are left behind, but have issues that need to be worked on – even saying that sounds like a men's rights activist and people go, oh, great. But here you are as a, as a guy, knowledgeable, saying that we have a problem. You know, well, do, but do, there's do, been a pushback, right? Is that yeah, why do, you think that it's going in the wrong direction? Um, about four questions in there. So, Sorry. <laughs> no worries. <laughs> a lot of time We just team. shout at yeah, you exactly. all at once. Yes, no, four, seven, 27. <laughs> we'll bill you after. <laughs> <laughs> so... Um, so let me let me pull the lens back and, and change the – it would be a complete answer, hopefully. Sure. So you have to understand the patriarchy has been around since around 4,000 BCE. So the patriarchy has been around for 6,000 years. 
women's suffrage was uh, 1848, so 170 years ago. Women's right to vote, uh, 1920, 19th Amendment, 100 years ago. And so really, women have been in the shift for less than 100 years when it comes down to it. But women like couldn't even have their own credit cards right. or bank accounts or like get 60s. a loan until the 70s, right. late 60s, early 70s. So really, I mean, the speed at which things are changing is a little bit drastic for y'all, right. <laughs> for you guys. Exactly. And that's, you know, that's the, the last part of it is in the 60s and 70s, society started to be like, hey, we need to create education and social programs for women and young girls to rise. And they did that, but they did not create the complementary programs for boys. And so what's happened in the mere last 50 years, so you have to remember 6,000 years of really one way and really uh, in, in our psyches, in our, in our bodies, in our souls, you know, really to the Mad Men era, the 1950s and 60s, really it's been only 50 years since the change and what happened is uh, with this epic change, women have risen up and men have pretty much stayed the same. And when we say they're heading the wrong direction, instead of rising up being like, okay, we've got a great mountain to climb, we've got a great new video game to play, they're basically giving up and playing video games, yeah. watching porns, hanging out with their bros, and really heading in the wrong direction. So that's my, my main reason that I say men need to step up, but they're scared as hell and they aren't given permission to speak how scared they are. That's interesting. Uh, the, I, I feel like uh, I feel like Tasha's response would be like, well, men, women haven't... Well, here's a lot of people, women say, well, women haven't been able to speak for thousands of years. It's your time to listen. And I think I think it just has to be a conversation. And like, this is great. Well, yeah, a conversation. That's the point is that both people need to be listening. Men and women need to be open to be open and receptive to mm-hmm. the other person's feelings. I, I I would argue that exactly what Dave said, men have been the ones that the only ones that have been allowed to talk for 6,000 years and we've been the ones quiet. And so we want to have our moment and we want to be heard, but I, I get what you're saying. It, it can, it can be frustrating to, to feel like, Everyone around you is being helped up and here you are stuck by yourself all alone out on an island having to pull yourself up by your bootstraps. It's daunting. It sounds uh, whenever I explain my own hardships to what I'm going through without having a community, uh, it sounds pathetic when people they, they, they roll their eyes very hard when I go, look, there, there's plenty of perks to being like a straight white dude. Right. But there's also like by being clumped in with the masses, the, the higher percentage of our country is straight white guys, right? By being clumped in with them, there's no one cheering me on. There's people cheering you on as a woman. There's people cheering them. And, and I understand that I've got this privilege, but that privilege is like all of us have this privilege. The straight white guys have this privilege. But me personally, I do understand how men could just feel completely lost. Do you know well, what I mean? You have to you have to think about what people mean when they're saying privilege. They're not saying that you also don't have challenges. They're saying that you don't have the challenge of being born a woman or the challenge of being born black as extra barriers to the normal everyday challenges. That's what they're saying. Right. Now what would you suggest what do you suggest uh is done of all this to like for men? Do you suggest just uh more education or well, there's a few things. To your point about uh, time for women to speak, I wrote this article 
right around Me Too, that was talked about uh, what lies beneath men's privilege. And I said, fear and desire. And I gave a very, you know, well thought out, well edited, you know, really like <laughs> major piece. That I spent a lot of hours, got, you know, a, a professional woman editor to come in behind me and I published it and I got flamed. <laughs> like flamed by women and i was just like what is i'm on your side i'm explaining things and fire 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 <laughs> hateful emails in your inbox and then i was like oh then i started to look and i started to understand i was like oh it's not time for me to talk about men women need time they to, need their moment their time to off gas those six thousand years of, of being pent squeezed. up anger bent yeah. up anger <laughs> So, you know, really what needs to happen, uh, multiple things. On one side is men, like you said, just need to listen. They need to have presence. They need to have space. They need to understand the impact because most men don't. The impact this has had on women for generations and generations and generations and generations. Yeah, they're missing the empathy. They haven't really bothered to put themselves, even if they've tried, it, it's hard for someone who doesn't live this experience every day to truly understand what it's like to live in my shoes, mm-hmm. in my clothes, and yep. have my experience. Right. Yeah, there's a book uh, uh, Tucker Max wrote, um, and he describes what it's like for women to go to a bar. And I used part of it in my upcoming book. And he said, okay, imagine this. You're at a bar. It's Saturday night. You're really excited. And you're just a normal guy, five foot seven. And all of a sudden, you're surrounded by big football, burly gay guys around. And they're just tossing you around and having drinks and touching you when you don't want to be touched and hitting on you and not really listening to your feedback. It's like that's how a woman feels every single day of their lives. And I was like, God, God it's horribly well written. Yeah, know, like- imagine someone twice your size. People, I actually just read something very similar mm. last night. I actually reread it. I had read it a few many years ago, but a girlfriend of mine reposted this article that was on Facebook, and she was talking about just like her experience walking her dog in her neighborhood, mm. and how men don't realize that they come across as threatening, or more so, I guess it was saying this is why women are rude to you mm. on the street, right? Mm. When you approach a woman, this is why they're rude to you because they have to be rude to you for their own safety because you are double their size she's in her neighborhood you now you know where she lives you're asking her about blah 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 she's walking her dog she can't get away and and that's the truth of it is that men don't understand what it's like to know that you could be physically overpowered by 50 percent of the population at any time Mm -hmm. now the this sort of um success uh, an uprising that women are having is it changing the what they're looking for in a guy are, are you noticing any trends with that? Definitely. And there's so many great books. I could go over just to speak about the books I've read. But <clears throat> so when you look at women now have choice, to your point before about credit cards, they never had the economic freedom for choice. So marriage on some level, there was love and romance, which is actually relatively new in our grand scheme of things. But for women until the 60s and 70s and 80s was an economic decision. Security. If I want a house, I need to have a man to help me buy the house. Now, in today's generation, uh, we live in a time, so in the 1970s, uh, women... By the way, the feminists are coming to get you. That's what that sound is yeah, right no, now. No, I'm there. behind you. I'm on their team. <laughs> <laughs> I'm working for no, you I, guys. I, I'm, I'm with you. Like, I, I, I'm with you. I'm sorry. sorry That's all right. Uh, 1980, uh, women made 60 cents to every man's dollar. Now, millennial women in 2012 entering the workforce is now 93 cents to every man's dollar. White women. 
millennial white women. Oh, I didn't mm-hmm. know that. Yeah. In Black women and Hispanic women earn right. less. Right. So 93 cents for millennial women entering the workforce. So now women have choice. And you see it, that they're even deciding not to get married. The time when women, men and women are getting married used to be like 21, 22 in the 1970s is now like 29 and 30. Mm-hmm. People are not getting married. They're having not kids. Not having children. And they're deciding, do I want the economic reality of being in partnership with this man when some of them are making more money than men in the same jobs? So what's happening is that there's a shift. There's a, And it's, this is not equal. There's, I'm not saying we're equal at all. I'm just saying that Yeah, because still shift. we are so far from equality. That's the thing to rem- that right. I like to remind men is like you guys are acting so threatened, but we're not, we're not even the majority. Not like, you know, we're not the a, majority if, of it, Congress. We're not the majority, you know, we're not a, the majority of CEOs. We're just barely getting close. But you're threatening. We're creeping up. You're threatening. The status quo. They're threatening their viewpoints mm-hmm. of what women should be. There's a book called Angry White Man called by Michael Kimmel, who's an incredible writer. And this book talks about uh, aggrieved entitlement. And that's what angry white men have is that they have a belief that they should have the job. They should have the relationship. They should Those be earning more taking, money. Right. These women are taking my job just because they've had 6,000 years of believing it's their job. So we're talking about the threat is the threat of the image of what it means to be a man. And men are more confused now than ever. About what it means to be a man. Exactly. Yeah. Well, the and, balance and wanna, has all changed. I so it's just, it's just got to like sort of, I mean, do you think, I'm sorry, do you think it's going to level out? Like Tasha, do you think, I mean, it's like the balance is just different. Is it going to find its footing? Well, if we can step back a minute, I, I want to go back to your first question, which was, do you find that it's changing what people are looking for in a relationship, what people are looking for in men? And you said, um, you started talking about economic freedom. Um, but I think also women, not just you know, not, not just that they have the the power of dollars in their pocket. I think also they really want an equal partner. Mm-hmm. And so I my I'm finding with my friends that a lot of women are not willing to put up with somebody who mm-hmm. isn't willing to pick up after themselves, mm-hmm. who isn't willing to cook, who isn't willing to clean the house. Is is they want someone who is truly a collaborative partner. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you don't have you've got that buying power. You yeah. know, you have the buying power to just say, fuck you. I mean, even like if you take our relationship, I moved into Tasha's place. So like you've got the upper hand where you can just be like, be gone, <laughs> be out of here. So I guess you clean a lot. <laughs> I actually cook I a lot. I have to micromanage the cleaning so hard. Yeah. Listen, I know I cook a lot. And if you've tasted yeah, he- any of Tasha's food, you'd offer to cook too. <laughs> you'd be like, oh, let me get that for you. Unless you want, I was like, I always make fun of her. She burnt corn. Like, How do you burn corn? That's not even I have flip. the buying power for takeout. <laughs> There we go. There we go. <laughs> now, now, because um, well, if if any, if there's any positive, I would like to think that the longer people wait to get into marriages, the better success chance they have. Would you? Do you think that's the case where people are avoiding that early mistake now? Or and, and and how do you view your first marriage? Was it a mistake? Was it rushed upon? Or was it just a learning experience? Uh, divorce rates have been about equal. Uh, we do have more single adults in America for the first time, 50.2% for the first time in the history wow. of more single adults. So we are seeing a change. Uh, I don't. I actually teach people that no relationship is a mistake. It is a learning. So my first wife, Carol, and I, I met when I was 24. She was 26. 
we got married, you know, we moved to San Francisco. We just followed the path, you know, the, the rules. You date, you move somewhere, you move in together, you get married, and you produce grandchildren. Mm-hmm. And, you know, not children, you produce grandchildren. That was, <laughs> yeah. that, that was the rule. It's really uh, like, about yeah. making mom and dad <laughs> yeah. happy, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so um, we were together for seven years. Um, she is, you know, up there with two, second or third woman that's had the largest impact of me in my entire life. Really took me by the hand. Uh, down the rabbit hole to who I am today. I'm so grateful. And at the end, you know, really what had us was our life choice of how we wanted to live. I wanted to go and build one taste. She, did, she didn't feel comfortable with that, and so we split. Um, and a lot of other drama included in that. But the point was, you know, it was a lifestyle choice. And I'm so grateful for that relationship. And so there's no failure in any aspect of it. You know, we've discussed uh, pretty candidly our relationship on the podcast and also privately with with like why we're still together, mm-hmm. what we have. And we still, uh, communication issues. I mean, it's like, we're, it's, it's really like two different languages we speak sometimes. But in the end, I think we share the same sort of vision for what we want in the future, mm. which is like maybe a family, but we're both sort of like, meh, you know what I mean? Like we're not, it's not like I've got friends who's like my buddy Gooch, right? His, his girlfriend like wants to be married and kids like stat, like mm. yesterday, like ready to go. And he's like being all right. But it's like, bro, do you want that or not, man? Like, you know what I mean? Like there's conversations that need to be had there. And I think our, us, we're like, well, we got the dog. We're good. And then, <laughs> and then, but you know, and then we have to also, you know, the reality is in the future, like if Tasha decides, you know, if you decide you want something completely different out of life, like there, there's, it's just like uh, how women have evolved, you know, in gender roles, relationships either, I guess, stay magnetized or not. I mean, would you agree that like we have to either you either decide that you're going to stick together through it all or. Well, I think it really comes down to priorities. You mentioned that with your first wife, Carol, when you wanted to launch One Taste, she really just wasn't comfortable with that. Um, you know, we we make the choice every day to put each other first, to put our relationship first, um, to love each other. We We choose to make this relationship work every day throughout our problems. And that's, you know, I've never had that in any other relationship Mm. where I really chose to make it work. But it doesn't change the fact that if we had truly different priorities um, or for lifestyle, for jobs, for kids, for our 5, 10, 15 year goals, I don't know that that's something that you could overcome just by wanting to. I mean, you really have to have your priorities aligned if you want to stay together for the long term. And that's almost why you see like celebrity couples. And I know that's probably not the norm, but they'll they'll get success at different times and they end up breaking up or whatever it is. And it's like, how do you, you know, it's, it's hard to grow together, not necessarily like be the same people, but at least side by side. Like, do you find with your, with your wife now, is it, are you both at a place where you feel like you've, matured to the same level or are you both still growing together like how would you how would you say it's different than say your previous relationships well i'm different first and foremost you've done the work at this point a lot of work and you know i was very good at attracting um smart um powerful attractive mean women i was like a professional at women who are not nice like they're you know and that was something i picked i just I did, wasn't deserving, and so I just picked women that were kind of mean. And then Morgan is is the first truly nice woman in my entire life I've dated. Wow. Like, to the core, nice. 
and it's it is like magical. I'm just like, oh my god, this is what it's like to be with someone who's actually nice. And so that's the first thing. The second thing is is that we both believe in the evolution of ourselves. And this is what a lot of couples get stuck on. They believe that we get married or we get engaged, we get connected, and that means that we're going to set limits of how much you can evolve. We're going to create a little box, and you're not allowed to grow outside that box. But the truth is, is that we want our partners to evolve, and then we're scared shitless basically to do it. So it's the juxtaposition between the two. The agreement I have with Morgan is let's grow. Let's be for each other's growth. Let's do all the work. And she is the most curious woman I've ever been with, like just eating stuff up like and totally different stuff that I'm into. The point is, is that we're both in our growth and then we, we grow together. Now, it leads to conflict and charge and communication breakdowns. We just had one last night that was a knockdown, breakdown fight. I, I fucked up and <laughs> she called me on it. And so we are, you know, we're in the middle of it. But the point is, is like I would rather live a life of large uh, expansion with mistakes than staying in a status quo box. That yeah, would be killer. The I, safe. And I yeah. love looking at it that way. Because I, I mean, I would hope that that's where we're both looking at where we're trying to grow our careers are kind of just like you know i i've always this the the it's kind of biblical but the saying i've always said since like i think i was like an early teen was enlarge my territory mm. and just that idea where you're asking for like growth and like be bigger just subscribe to the podcast rate it review share with the friends that type of thing but like really just be yeah becoming more and 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 knowing that your partner is going to be okay with that mm-hmm. and it's like i mean so when you guys argue do you have set rules do you have set sort of boundaries where you can get it out quicker so it doesn't linger or is it always a different it's always very different and we call them heated discussions though they're really arguments at times but (laughs) discussions and it really is just okay um the difference between morgan and i and any other relationship is that we're very quick to take responsibility for our actions and And mistakes including mistakes mistakes. Mm -hmm. and so it should be like this i'm like wait a minute you're right i did do that I can see how that hurt your feelings. I quick went too to fast. apologize. Quick to apologize. Mm-hmm. Quick to own things. Quick to look how we've co-created it. How we've manifested this. Looking at our childhood wounds, and you know, there's an NLP. It's called outsourcing. When I have an issue inside of me, and then I outsource it on Morgan to create it, so I'll have the experience. And so we're we're very knowledgeable about our own internal work that enables these conversations uh, to go quicker to be more passionate and more heated, but also the most responsible I've ever seen. And I think in terms of communication, we often argue to be right rather than connected. We often argue in terms of antagonistic, I want to beat you rather than the concept of collaborative. And so if you can switch to a collaborative form of communication, then there's so much more intimacy and things go so much faster. Yeah, I've always said, I've always thought at least, my actions might not agree, but that that the quicker you get that the person who wins the fight is the person who gets the fight over with faster. So if it, if it means apologizing or doing whatever, it's like, as soon as the fight's over, I was like, I, I've had friends that go like, dude, like I couldn't, you know, like I couldn't do a relationship just in, you know, that you find out it's because they have to be right all the time. And, and that's what single guys, single guys are right. Yeah. <laughs> we, and alone. That is sort of that attitude I think has really permeated other aspects of our culture as well. You find that in politics, people mm-hmm. just shouting each other online, just trying to make their own viewpoint heard, just trying to push their own views onto everyone else instead of being active listeners Mm -hmm. instead of being empathetic just like we talked about before Mm -hmm. yeah do you think social media has sort of cemented the way we kind of fight 
as far as like in in a in a like I'm right and I have to prove Made myself it a habit. way or like is, is social media just reflecting who we are or do you think it's creating these bad tools because you know relationships you know just either they they I don't I don't see relationships thrive on social media but I see social media kill relationships. I think it's the best of the best and the worst of the worst. I think there's some incredible things that come out of social media and education. I have access to thousands and thousands of people's different viewpoints and articles and ideas and concepts. And so I think it's, you know, one of the most amazing things. And I think it brings out some of our worst habits. And, you know, like I'm I'm very interested in politics. I move towards Democrat. I do not like Trump, but I'm so intrigued by him at the same time of like, what does he represent in our culture? What is it that he's trying to show the rest of the world? I actually think it's beneficial that Trump was elected. I said this to Tasha yesterday. Because he's showing the world the angry white men and what needs to be seen that wasn't seen before. Yeah, so instead it's, of staying and, hidden. And, Right. And it's because of him, and again, it's not probably not his purpose, but it's because of him that there's like a hundred new female judges, and True. for you know, it's because of him that people go, "What the fuck have we been letting slide in getting?" And you know, and it's again, it's not what we wanted, but it might be what we needed. And I don't mean that in a pro-Trump way. I mean that in some sort of like, well, I think Weird we were awakening, awakening some. And we said this in our car ride to San Francisco, where I was like, "Look, I mean, geez, it's really, it's really unearthing a lot of bullshit." Mm-hmm. And even and he's draining the swamp, and he's in it. And he's part, you know what I mean? I don't know. but it, It's going to be one of those movies, you know, with like the twist and the tail. You know, the end when the denouement is coming in and everything men- makes sense why he's president. I have really faith it's going to be some epic movie like that. I think if like, if if they, if for some crazy thing, this, these Miller reports come out, and I don't want to make this all political, but we just got there. I have this weird thing where I, I almost think you don't want him to be kicked out of office because it's going to rally the wrong response do you know what i mean i feel like there's like you talk about like this gassing out period is that the term you used off gassing. Uh, off. <laughs> <laughs> same thing same thing uh but it's almost like that it's almost like we need to let this burn burn off like we right. just had a really good comment on our feed uh Sarheed said you're basically saying you need rain for a rainbow Oh, and wow. that's kind of the truth i've and never heard that one in our country's past due for that <laughs> fertilizer to you know you know basically shit to raise shit. the crops yeah. so, so thank hoping. you trump yeah. <laughs> no i yeah you really just spoke to me when you said that because that's how i feel where i was like I, i'm leaning to the democrats i but but these people that say oh we you know and it's very common i even Tasha, you said oh we won the house it's like what does we mean like we're all like my parents are leaning on the other side and they're good people but like they're just a product of the they're they're, they're not sort of their reading comprehension when it comes to social media and the internet is no no bueno mm-hmm. so they're only getting the stuff that the algorithm has them getting i read fox news cnn i I really try to like like oh what's the other side gonna say about this i just think like hopefully as hopefully the younger generation as we grow up realizes how to like you know well we're definitely a lot more discerning we have a better understanding of what is like fake news and what is hyped news and the difference between like a factual headline and like uh, a tmz headline well I, i but what i'm saying is the younger generation so like our parents don't really get it or page it. I mean, my mom's not even on Facebook. I guess I have to look at pictures. But like, hmm. you know, for those that are users um, who didn't really grow up in this era of having to f- know what's real and what's fake, we, we had to write our papers in school knowing what's like a legit article and not a legit article. So we have a little bit of a better ability to discern, I think. Yeah, it's just but yeah, anyway, to the, your, your point being that it could 
good things, good things are come will will come out of this as you know the women's movement. I mean that it all grab your pussy, grab you by the pussy. It's all like clumped together. It really is. I mean Kavanaugh, like cr- it's crazy shit. But it's like you know, and 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 the thought that you know there there is the thought out there that. That people say they're scared for for their boys that they're going to be like falsely accused. I know Tasha is a big. One of our our um, streamers said we're really failing our boys in those aspects we were talking about earlier by not giving them resources to understand. You know, they you're right. They feel sort of entitled and they feel like they're missing out on things that they are entitled to, mm-hmm. and we're not really giving them the tools to deal with an egalitarian society. Mm-hmm. But if you if I went on Facebook right now and said we're failing our boys, the the young men of our country is not being led in the right direction, I, I would go viral. It would be in like, the wrong way. <laughs> I mean, Robert, I had I had posted something and and it went down this crazy rabbit hole, and women started and in the in a very select group of women started like screen grabbing what I posted and sharing it on their page, and it ended in somebody and it ended in a female sharing in explicit detail her rape story, and I'm like, we can't, ha- we're not ready for these conversations. Also, if this is the why response, why are you having this conversation on social media in? a hundred characters or less that you can't just say we're failing our boys period if you're not going to be elaborate elaborating if you're not going to be like providing sort of like context or backing it up with with facts or anecdotes then why even bother saying anything that's the problem is people just spouting these little one sentence opinions and then being unwilling to hear anyone else's point of view being unwilling to back it up well you know what it's, I- it's a part it should be a part of a broad conversation you know what i heard which i really liked online was someone posted it was an it was actually in a feminist group on reddit uh which i actually like i'm a part of i'm a part of reading i love to i would yeah like i would consider myself a feminist but like i understand i'm not also not wanted in a lot of conversations and i get it's that. not that I you're that. not wanted. No, no no but like i understand that, that there's there's conversations that just are there for women women are, have the right just like men have the right to have conversations amongst themselves you know like it, when it, the point was is that it said if if women are mentioning their issues that they have and a guy's response is to say well boys are being left behind it's like that it's wrong to combat the women's issues with the men's like that's a separate that's issue taking the car off the rails yeah but yeah that's that you don't need to steer the conversation into something else right now like we're talking about the topic a the topic at hand right that's you know that happens all the time is that when people hear sending boys in the wrong direction women are saying what about the women or when women are saying this is my rape story oh yeah but men are raped and so i don't know, really know what that is do we need some sort of validation? My belief system is we're not really willing to feel the totality of the sensation around the communication. And so what we do is we minimize it. We dilute it by actually saying something to, I'm part of it too, or instead of holding the full feeling of the impact that the communication made. You know, the one one thing that I've, and that's, again, I'm going to have to isolate that clip because that, that <laughs> blows my mind <laughs> smarter than anything I've ever said in my life. The one, the, the one thing I, I love about podcasting is that it's very, it's very rare for a podcast to be um, sensationalized or, um, or go viral in a negative way. It's easy for a clip on SNL. It's easy for uh, an article you wrote on Jezebel. It's easy for to that stuff to be taken out headline. of context. And I see it all the time, even with what Trump says in a lot of politics, it's like, we don't get you don't always get the full story you get whatever fits the agenda and it's like well you might have said those 19 words in that order but what did you do to say before and after it and so many 
good men out there have tried to say the right thing. And boy, have they, I mean, if my stepdad, who's like a God-fearing, loving, like Catholic guy, like he's a, he's a very charitable man, but you know, we were in the car with him once and he was trying to, you know, write off Trump's, you know, comments about women. And it's like, dude, if you posted that online, you would, and if he was famous, he would have been fired from whatever his job would have been. But he's just an old man who, who thinks he's, you know what I mean? Like there's, we're holding, we're holding people all to the same level of wokeness. And I think we need to be sort of have, have this empathy, yeah, for people bit. that don't that just aren't there yet. Even though they, you, you know, as I used to, we used to judge people if they meant well. Like, does that person mean well? Even if they're saying something like, you know, like, oh, you know, if they're if they're using the wrong term for females or they're calling them girls or it's like, how many times have I said, you know, well, well I know, like, even we 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 have that question where we say girls and we go, oh shit, like that's not what we're supposed to say anymore. It's women or young ladies or whatever. You know, it's like, well, it is a slow process, and if you think about it, since the beginning of time, we've only gotten our our moment in the last one second of 6,000 years. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is a slow process and mm-hmm. you, you've got to be patient. Not everyone is up to speed in the same way that you are. And you know, well, we came here to talk uh, really about relationships, but it's hard not to bring the political in with it because it's just where our time is right now. I do have a couple more questions for you. Uh, someone just posted the fatherless generation is part of the problem. No proper role models. Do you have anything to say to that? Definitely. Uh, part of my book, I was researching male role models and I had really kind of trouble finding it there was you know i found some websites and some pictures of them but there really is a lack of of role models and what and like they said you know we we do live in a divorce age especially in the times where young boys were were growing up and women run and a lot of anger you know i have one client who had a, a mom and two sisters after the father left and guess who took the blunt of the father leaving the young boy and he was tortured mentally um not physically mentally because he was in that role so the point is like yes uh the dissolving of the family and it's more than that it's dissolving of community we you know 100 years ago uh, 110 you know, at the turn of the century we tend to leave in clans you lived with your relatives and so mm-hmm. if the, the family broke up you had your cousins and your uncles to raise them and now you know with the advent of the suburbs in the 1940s and 1950s and then the movement to the cities we're actually living the most isolated now than ever before yeah i think um they say that the ideal um community size is like 20 to 100 people mm-hmm. or something like that and it's true glo- well, like with globalism too i know you know my generation lots of kids moved away mm-hmm. we all have to travel for the holidays because we don't live in the same cities as our families anymore right. yeah you don't so- have that support system when you want to start raising kids i mean that's probably another contributing factor to why people are putting off marriage and kids later and later besides the economics of it all and we seek we seek finding a tribe you know, we look for it online and maybe it's just surface level, but we look for that community, whether it be just like following, you know, like being in certain in certain chat groups and things like that. But Or joining a kickball league or going to church. Yeah, you, what, do, you do seek that out. What's your recommendation for, for, for this generation who's looking for love, looking for, commu- but also community in, in a world where like we're all just kind of like follow, unfollow, <laughs> like... Well, it's, it's, you know, really what you're saying, like find a kickball league or, you know, what for men looking for to grow, I often recommend gender groups, male, you know, finding other men to be in relationship with. Men don't have a lot of close friends. If you look at, you know, there was an article um, in that talked about older men are more 
afraid of dying alone than from emphysema or cancer. Like we just fear because there's there's this generation of being alone. And so finding other friends, maintaining friendships, creating friendships. And I'm I'm a successful 48 person with a year old person with a wife and I'm still struggling. So we went to a choir, an instant choir in Hollywood where we sang Thriller right before Halloween. So oh my gosh, yeah, that's so cool. It is so much fun. So it's really it there's there are and I know people in smaller smaller towns is more difficult, but there's really no excuse not to accept laziness and our addiction to our phones, addiction to our screens. And I think mm-hmm. one of the things I was thinking Netflix. about is that parents are using screens, screens as replacement parents. They're now the new babysitter. And kids, you know, one, two, three, four are staring at their screens rather than you know, talking to adults. They're slot machines. We were just, just talking machines. about this also on our drive. I love driving. I love our long dr- road trips because mm. there's no, not a safer space in the world to have a conversation than in the so car. We, we were in the we car were, 17 hours in the last, <laughs> since Saturday. Two days. 48 hours, 17 out of 48 <laughs> hours we've been driving together. Um, but we were saying exactly that, that it's, I think that, Kids are not developing um, their creativity mm-hmm. as much. Like when we were little, I, I, I never was bored because I always made up something to do. Mm-hmm. But kids these days do not know what to do. They don't know how to entertain themselves if they're not watching TV or on their iPad or on the phone. That's literally their only in- entertainment. They don't know how to like use their imagination right. go outside i was i'd be out back whittling you know like just making up the a refrigerator stuff. box became a spaceship i exactly. mean the whole calvin and Hobbes thing it was just really like we lived in our imaginations yeah, yeah. and i wonder how that affects the economy uh, growing forward like does the united states like i don't i don't know what the new uh thing that we need is gonna be but like I, I don't know how you contribute to like a healthy economy by being a consumer of games or television. I don't know. I, I it's mean, I'll find a way to sell it. Don't worry. <laughs> we have a DFT device free time because it's an actual, it's a super, I mean, I wouldn't call it a huge problem in our relationship. Well, it's an, it's an addiction. 100%. It's an easy addiction. It becomes part of our like relaxation time. But there's probably couples, and, and we're guilty of it on nights, but that just will both tuck themselves into bed, just turn away back to back <laughs> from each other and go on their phones. And it's like, and, and again, and I, I, last year, my New Year's resolution was to get the phone out of the bed. I, it's crept back. It's got these little legs. It walks back into the bed. Mm-hmm. And the whole, the whole, you know, and it's the same, everyone's excuse. I use my phone as my alarm. It's like, well, but, you know, like Tasha, like you're, you are a creative person. And wouldn't you say your phone stifles your creativity when you could be... Mixed? I would say it's a time suck. More than anything else, it's a time suck. I Just like you were saying, I think there are a ton of benefits to the internet, to having computers in our hands, any sort of info we ever need, we can get within a second. Uh, but the, everything is gamified. This is gamified. Facebook is gamified. Instagram is gamified. And it's built specifically to be addictive, to keep users active all the time. And uh, you've got to be aware that, like, you are not as strong as the game. You can, you can get sucked in. All of a sudden, four hours have passed. What have you accomplished? Mm-hmm. Your whole night is gone. It- I, uh, I did uh, background work on this TV show called Abby's. It's coming out on NBC. And uh, the whole premise of the show, it's a live show. It's shot with a live audience and it's shot 
outdoors. It's the only live show that's shot outdoors, uh, and it's shot in this lady's backyard um, on the Universal lot. But it's this, they built it as Abby's backyard, and she creates a bar. And the the only rules of the bar is that you can't have your cell phone out. So they have they have an encyclo- a book of encyclopedias. So when you have like those a questions, question? <laughs> you got to go to the encyclopedia and you got to like talk it out and you have to like decide as as a, as a community the answer. That it, used to be like a major investment back in the day. I remember my grandma had like a nice set of encyclopedias. Encyclopedias, yeah. Yeah. Leather bound. And yes, they were red and, with like gold yeah. embossed. Yeah, we had leather. we had uh, hand me downs, so we had like three letters missing. <laughs> I never knew anything about W. We're we're confusing this next generation. Encyclopedia? Isn't that encyclopedia.com? It was like three rows of the bookshelf next to the fireplace. We were pretty much relying on an an oligarchy, a small group of Britannia people to tell us (laughs) what the truth was. Now it's like if your encyclopedia was just all thrown together with different people's opinions. So you could be like, oh, who, you know, it's just that's what the world is now. It's like we rely on this Wikipedia you know, user generated thing, which might work 95% of the time. But the other 5% is just like, what the fuck? Trolls just yeah. sneaking in. We'll, we'll, uh, Tasha, we had this argument because Tasha tried to tell me that it's faster to boil eggs with cold water. No, here's what it than is. Warm water. It's that there is no difference whether you start boiling your water from cold or start boiling your water from hot. And the reason is, <laughs> yes, it is true. I hope people don't judge you based <laughs> on this knowledge that I don't believe. It is true. Something about like the time it takes once it gets to like a particular temperature, the time it takes to get from that to boiling is the same. So it doesn't matter. And the reason we had this discussion, because I would, I would put the hot water it. on, I would put the hot water on and wait and till also, it was, the hot water is just dirtier. Bacteria grows in the hot water tank. So All you right. should always be using cold water. To okay. Cook well, but anyway. the point was is that we were both able to Google our own point and be right. Even though, <laughs> not, even though any scientist who's listening could probably be like, Dave's right. But um, yeah, it's a, it's, do you find in your relationship that you've got to like call each other out? Like, hey, you've been, you're, you're sucked into your phone again. Do you find like any any issues with that technology? Only because we're really conscious about it. So I have a rule. If I'm in the bedroom and she's putting the kids to bed and then, and she comes in, I just put my, my phone down immediately. I actually take it and put it down. Um, we don't sleep with the bed with the phones near the bed. So you know, our first thing is interacting with each other. And so we really have set rules. And we do want to create uh, device-free days because the kids are they're 8 and 10. And they're already wow. addicted, and they're already angry when you try to take them away. <laughs> yeah. Like furious, like you know, stop doing cocaine or heroin. Angry, rage in the young one. Yeah, and it's like, oh my god! And so you know, the fires were this weekend, and mm-hmm. we were evacuated from our house. You were? Oh, I'm sorry. oh yeah. my gosh! Where are you staying? Uh, we, not, we actually, well, don't, I mean, don't feel weird. <laughs> I was just talking about the creepy guy on the street. That's like, where do you live? Yeah, <laughs> down there. Um, so, you know, we, we left the house and we grabbed the things we thought and we forgot the older daughter's phone. And she was furious. She's like, my phone, my phone, my phone. And you could tell, like, she was more worried about the phone than she was us. So it was really interesting, like, to get really addicted yeah. to it and very you quickly. You can't blame the addict. 
it's they're they're created by the, some of the smartest people in the world to hold your attention, oh, yeah. to, to have this dopamine rush and, and to be like, well, I got a message or like every time. Yeah, the pings. It's like so Pavlovian. Every time, it, like I, my phone is always on silent. Always, always, always. It's never on Mine loud. Too. And, um, but even just like at my job, someone else's phone goes off and I'm like, is that mine? Mm-hmm. You know, I just like, I always ha- have this response like, oh, someone might need me. I was riding a bike and something on the bike vibrated and I thought my phone was going off. I didn't, my phone isn't even, I, I haven't sent my phone to vibrate in seven years. <laughs> and I still was like, what's going on? I just have this like, the bat phone, you know, it's, uh, I got one more, like, or one or two more, like, questions that I want that, that, uh, things that you want to touch that on. My, okay, so back to my relationship with Tasha. Uh, and we're going on five years here. So we, we've, we've, um, I think, I think we've come a long way. Uh, but I still have a hard time, uh, ask, uh, telling Tasha the truth about how I feel about certain, I have a hard time sharing my honest opinion. And I know that that's some, a topic that you've discussed before. We, you have fear, fear, big time. You have fear and fear is not really accepted in men. We're taught to be stoic, you know, disdain fear. And so we don't, you often have relationships to our fear, but then they, the fear moves into the shadow and then it's a little man behind the curtain running Dave, basically (laughs) pulling the strings. And so, um, that's one side of it. The second side is that uh, we live in sort of antagonistic society. And so you, you've probably been trained not to trust women in certain areas for sure. But other areas, you basically women are the, the enemy or you know, to be avoided. And so we spend a lot of time uh, staying inside the colored lines of what we think is acceptable for their approval. Because on some level, you probably believe from your entire life that she'll pull that approval, and from that approval comes her the energy and the sex, and you know your your livelihood depends on it. And so, what you do is you create facades, you create boxes of what's true. Anytime you go outside of that, you activate your vigilance center, your fight or flight, and that's a scary thing for a guy because we're not taught how to interact with our fight or flight. It's worse than any other argument with other people in my life right it's worse and it's i've put my foot down on my with my opinion on certain things and i've also you know i think sometimes tasha and i want to speak for you but i've i've uh, put my foot down on how i feel about certain issues or my decision on what to do about certain things and i think you sometimes see it as a threat that i'm like leaving you and we and it's led to like we've fought oh, oh, sometimes when i'll just like put my foot down on something what well, we fought over nothing and it's like, and it's not even like some big angry fight. It's like some philosophical like difference. And like, like take this for any. And this isn't a fight that we've had because I haven't told you this. But like, <laughs> and this isn't a big deal. But I, we, we were talking on the phone earlier today, and I, um, I got scheduled for work tomorrow night. And you have this movie you wanted us to go see. And I was like, I don't even know how to tell you that I can't go to the movie. So he's telling me now with you here to be the mediator. <laughs> how, do you, how do you feel about that? I'll ask someone else. <laughs> You know, but you know it, what I mean. I, I, but I just, I just found that out, and I asked to get my shift covered because I know, I, I know, I, I can like sort of try to get it covered. But I was also like, I don't want you to think I don't care about you. Well, he, here's the thing: it's nothing to do with her. You know, this is your past, your damage, your baggage with women. This is probably a mom thing, right? Yeah. Because there's the viewpoints out there that all trauma occurs between zero and eight from the womb or ancestral, if you believe in that, but from zero to eight. And then everything that happens in adult is a re-traumatization of something that happened for zero to eight. 
So for my example was like I would love sweets as a kid. I grew oh, up in the seventies, you know, too. like there was like Hagen <laughs> and Wonder Bread and cheese, and they had these things called Fudge Town cookies. And I love the Fudge Town cookies, and so I would just eat them nonstop and Oreos, double stuffs. And my mom, who had you know some uh, body issues, it, it stuck all her stuff, and so she took it out on me. And so what I learned was to be sneaky with my desire. Now at forty eight. I'm still sneaky with my desire, and I have more awareness around, but it still ekes out this traumatization. So my point is is that you, you, by you focusing on this is something between you and Tasha is sort of like following the, um, the wrong the trail. It's not the really root cause. Um, it's I, I so followed. <laughs> so we can go back to it and say, you know, the communication is, I feel afraid to say this to you. I have fear. I'm not sure what the fear is about and say blah, 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 and then let her space for her to respond. And then she'd be like, okay, babe, I'll go find someone else. not a big deal. What, this isn't a drop-down fight? No. I know, it's, it's really weird. Sometimes I've had, and you're, you're right, and I was, raised, I was raised by a single mom until uh, my stepdad came around when I was like 11. Mm. And I think, yeah, I mean, and, and when you look back, people go, oh, 11-year-old, you had your whole life to live and learn. But I was like, I really felt like I was me by way before he came along. He's a great guy, yeah. but I really felt like I was me. And I, I, I didn't have a bad relationship with my mom, but she was a saleswoman on the road. And, and yeah, like I, I'm, I've always been a, a guy who like loves my sweets, loves my, I don't know. Like I've never had, I've never been in a long-term relationship where I've had to be conscientious about someone else. So like if I, if I let you down because I can't do something, I'd rather fuck my own plans. Like how many times I've fucked up my own plans and then I'll end up like say canceling an open mic I was supposed to go to. And then I'll be with Tasha, but then I won't really be there with Tasha. Are you are you listening to? Yes, it? I'm absolutely <laughs> listening. I She's just got. Drug. We're at the top of the feed, guys. We're at the uh, top of the homepage because people are really digging our stream nice. right now. Nice. Well, so uh, I've always felt like I'll do what she wants me to do, but then have this resentment. Yeah, it built in. Yeah, and I just want to. I really want to live. And again, you're probably the closest thing we've had to a guardian angel come by the podcast here. <laughs> I, do, I do appreciate. All that you've, you know, telling us, and and, I, and I've, I'm always one who wants to be told, like, no, Dave, this is your problem. I just, and I do believe it is my problem, but I also believe that Tasha can be hard to please. She set the bar very high for me. But don't you think, to Robert's point, that your mom <laughs> is also very hard to please? <laughs> oh. I mean, I'm really, truly, I believe. Thank you, guys. Um, I. I believe that 100% you have a fear of letting people down and it manifests itself in so many different ways. It manifests itself in our relationship. It manifests itself with your friends. It manifests itself in business. I, I, I think that that's probably a core issue. And sure, like there, we've had plenty of times where like he has come to me and said something and I've had not the best response. Yeah. I felt let down. I felt whatever, that, like I wasn't a priority. Um, but I, but also in general, we try to, to really listen and, and to be empathetic, to understand where each other are coming from. Well, I'm glad. I'm excited to share my fear to at least express like that I'm feeling afraid. And I hope you gen- genuinely believe it because like, even saying it right now, it's like, fuck man. Yeah. Is like I really, racing? yeah. I mean, there are things like, yeah, it's no, it's no surprise. I do stand up comedy and want to please everyone I get to see and could talk to them, you, you know, for, for hours just to like make a quick bond and then leave. Like that's my kind of junky thing is well, that here's the second recommendation, right? 
don't make her your therapist. Don't make him your therapist. So I do a lot of my own work. I have my therapist. I have my friends. I have my own methodologies. And so I call it distilling. So if I come with some crazy thoughts, I can go to Morgan. I can say I'm having these crazy thoughts, and she can take on the responsibility, which she does a lot, of guiding me to my clarity. What's a more adult way to do it is to be like, okay, I'm going to distill this down to one thought. I'm going to do my work. I'm going to look at this. I'm going to play with it. Before you bring it to before the table. Before you bring it to the table. Before you bring this big shitstorm, this so, big so mess you know of what, stuff. So you know what you can present the issue to be rather than just a ball of emotions. Is that what you're right. saying? I'm not saying I have to do this all the time. You know, there's times I, I bring it to Like last night, I brought it to Morgan kind of a raw thought, and neither of us were really in a great place to handle it. And so that led to a lot of the discord was my lack of clarity so in the optimal times it's a very sharp specific whoa i figured out this thing this is what happened boom 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 and she's like oh then she can get curious and then we're like looking at a cool video game or a cool art piece together we're, we're pulling it apart so it's best to do your own work to still it down to the most electric distilled version mm-hmm. I like we that. talk a lot about not bringing home our baggage or like our stress a lot of times for me, it's work related. I'm mm-hmm. always stressed out about work. I'm always being pulled a thousand different directions. Um, and so I, I try my best not to bring home all of that shit. Yeah. That uh, like I, I'll be so worked up and it's it's the emotional aspect of it that's the hardest. But mm-hmm. sometimes I just get on the phone with my sister. I shouldn't make my sister my therapist. I shouldn't make my friends my therapist and I shouldn't make Dave my we'll therapist. We'll just have lots of therapists. Lots yeah. of friends. Then you can. Share <laughs> the love. little Share the love. Yeah, when you got a problem crazy. and you're just like, who will answer next? You know you're going down the list when it's like your second uncle. But, uh, now serving number 27. <laughs> You'll but listen. it's true that you know, you need a, lo- a long uh, list of people who can be your support system. Um, and like we said at the very beginning, therapy, man, 100%. I'm about it mm-hmm. so that you're not putting these burdens on other people. But you're right. If you can get to, at least through the muck down to like the core root of the problem, then it's an easy fix. You get feedback from whoever you're talking to and they can help. Even if it's just for them to like sort of tell you, yeah, that makes sense what you're feeling. Be like a, a voice of uh Support. I got one last one last question. Well, but okay. I have more questions. For well, I, my question <laughs> on behalf of Tasha, and okay. again, you could probably dig down and why I give a shit. But I see Tasha. I see Tasha as an introvert who masks herself well, uh, you know, disguises herself as an extrovert. I see. I see her coming home exhausted from dealing with people and traffic, and you know, it's L.A. It's ugh. and then. But I also see her kind of being like a highly sensitive person. What? What? Does she, and again, I know I'm doing her therapy for her and I know that's probably the, the a horrible thing to do, but what, what does she need to be, to just let go of society, of, 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 of the Instagram and, and did this photo get enough likes and how can somebody just stop giving two shits and just release that expectation? I feel like women have this expectation put on them and, and uh, again, I'm, 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 Cut me off whenever you're ready, but I feel like you know when you, as the oldest uh, oldest sibling, was just you know says that you know even yesterday in the car ride home says that her mom didn't come to enough dance recitals, and because <laughs> we were talking about like having a uh, pitching a TV show where you get a do over, so she said she never got any video from when she was in show choir, which is like dancing and singing. And I was like, <laughs> you need a do over. You need to go out there, redo it, and get your mom to go videotape that. But like. How do you overcome that feeling of that you were never enough and, and, and also that feeling that you're just okay you with who you are? You asked 50,000 questions and he doesn't know where to start. I can, <laughs> I can find a thread. So, Fix her. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh, the first thing I always recommend to to men if they don't know is to ask, "What can I do for you? What can I provide? How can I make this the most pleasurable?" You know, um, baths, scents, foot massages. Just we got to go. We're out of time. <laughs> It's be amazing. Make ask. a ritual out of it and ask and then play and improve and try. You know, she's on her journey. She's creating her world. It's chauvinistic to try to change her directory. Even her driving herself crazy, men tried or fix it. You know, the, back to John Gray, women, uh, men from Mars, women from Venus. You know, guys are fix it. We're trying to fix it for women. And, and women don't want that. They want you to be their partner and to be available. They want your presence. And they want your attention. They want your curiosity. They definitely want your humor. And so the best thing to do is like, okay, how can we create a game of this? How much pleasure can we do in the first 15 minutes of you being home? Is that a sexual thing? Is that a foot massage? Ah. Is that, you know... I say sexual. We, <laughs> but sometimes that can be pressure for a woman. That's yeah, no, I, I understand. Right. I understand. Yeah. So like you, you can like have her lay down and then you can like put your fingers on the back of her head and just... There's so many things to do, but your attention and your intention to have her feel pleasure will have her go from her masculine of being out in the world, go, 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 into our feminine, energetic And this body. is like superior This is mansion, such right? winning advice right now. I hope you all are taking notes. This is such winning advice. Sh- it's just tiny ways to support somebody. And yes, let a woman flow back into her feminine. Mm-hmm. I find that's one of the hardest things to balance mm-hmm. because I do feel like such a boss. I'm a proud feminist. I'm out here stomping the pavement right. every day. But... Sometimes I don't want to be the boss. Sometimes I don't want to have to take care of everything. Sometimes I don't want to have to micromanage. I don't want to have to do the emotional labor. I don't want to have to tell you what to do. I just want to sit back and like be the queen. But that's what you get. That's what you get with the podcast. You're involved with nothing uh, on the on the backside of it. You know what I mean? Like you get to just show up and be cute and turn your live stream on. And you tell me. (laughs) And but what we've learned is like she doesn't want to have to like manage me with emotional labor around the house. So I say like let's walk around the house and take a look together because sometimes she sees shit that I just don't see. I should just you know. But I I want to say this: um, is it is the women. Part of the feminist movement is taking on these like new roles that I believe in some ways you're just not genetically meant to do. So so women are are becoming more masculine in their energy. Like what's a like how so you're saying that that's okay, she just needs to learn how to shift back to that when the work's done? It's it there's so much like Ugh, force in there like you're trying to solve a masculine to a feminine with a masculine problem just like oh i gotta fix this there's, <laughs> there's an allowing you know there's just a softness there's a paying attention and life is an ebb and flow right. there's no way i mean you're you are not just masculine energy you have a very strong feminine energy yeah, you have a very sensitive. strong yeah. feminine existence and i'm not telling you to go back in your box it's an ebb and flow we mm-hmm. just have to learn how to manage being one thing at work and being another thing at home or whatever it is. I'll say this as we wrap up because we got to go. Um, and again, we probably could have asked you questions for 20 hours. Mm-hmm. I know it's not, I know some listeners probably have to pop an Adderall to get through this, <laughs> but there's so much in there. Mm-hmm. Um, we we uh, naturally, when we started dating, were so bad at team building activities. We mm-hmm. still struggle with that. We fought over how to tie a surfboard to a roof, um, put a tent put a tent up. I mean, that was the worst. So many things. It, uh, the, that four years ago, we decided to make soap, which is like a chemical equation. You got a lot of a lot of shit can go wrong. It's it's dangerous. You need and we've and we've figured out a way to communicate 
together knowing how difficult it was because we did fight making soap. We fought over what how to cut it, what essential oils to use, this and that. Anyway, we finally learned how to make soap. So we wanted to give you a, a, some as our parting gift. Soap for you and your significant other that we've made. That's um, it's a uh, organic coconut oil, <laughs> and um, I think that's both. I think both of those are peppermint. But beautiful. Let me see. Yeah. So so enjoy some of our soap as a product that, as as the one thing we've de- we've decided we can do together. Yeah, it's uh, peppermint, and then I think the other one. These might are be, different bars. I don't know what that other bar is. Yeah, you can't bottom. tell. Maybe lavender. We'll, we'll smell them. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But they're really good there. So um, they're beautiful. Thank you. And 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 you're you have a book coming out. I do have a book coming out. December sixth. It's called right around the corner. Oh, that's yes. perfect, actually, because we weren't gonna we were gonna upload this in a few. We're a few weeks ahead, so this will so for people listening, can they pre order it? Yes. Or? So the book is called Unhidden: A Book for Men and Those Confused by Them. It's it's a pragmatic guide for everyone to get along and move from antagonistic to collaborative. Comes out December sixth. Uh, you can pre order at robertcandell.com. I'm also doing a twelve hour telethon. A Jerry Lewis telethon uh, via Facebook on the sixth. So oh I'll my nice. gosh! So oh, we'll, cool. have, we'll okay. have to definitely Maybe you guys that. will come on and do a twenty-minute slot. With oh, that would yeah. be amazing. Yeah, you can do it from the. You can come to Santa Monica if you want, or you can come. Oh, absolutely! Zoom, yeah, come yeah. On by. Yeah, that would be really fun. Absolutely, yeah. we'll d- count us in for that. That'd okay, be wonderful. great. And thanks again so much for being on the podcast. We've like you. You really did, did hit on a lot of questions that we've had, and of course, it comes down. You know, we don't necessarily have answers so much as a as a giant workbook of shit we need to do. Well, you know <laughs> I mean? we'll enjoy the questions. You know, that's in, you know the masculine communicates to produce to move the box from point A to B point a to point b the feminine communicates for intimacy and connection how do you feel moving the box and it's the marriage of the two that's where the most power is so enjoy the questions it'll it'll have you grow as a man have you grow as a woman and have you grow as a couple if you stay in the inquiry and the curiosity oh yeah what a beautiful way to end thanks so much for being on the uh, podcast today thank you all right bye everybody take care bye thank you S-A-P, baby